Hey y'all, welcome back to Parlay Paw episode two, where we are recapping our week seven bets and talking a little bit of week eight NFL football. If y'all are looking for the video for this week, it is non-existent. Um, Smart Liv tripped over Kyla going down the stairs in her apartment and I now have a concussion. So, screens are not my friend at the moment. Um, and, you know, pretty pretty classic, Kai gave Liv a concussion. So, <laughs> here we are, um, video list. But anyway, we're still gonna, we're still gonna talk, talk some football. Um, going back to week seven, um, Thursday night, I took the Saints upsetting the Cardinals. Um, the Cards were one-point favorites, but they ended up winning 42-34. to No one could have expected that. Like, I don't... I mean, Vegas didn't. Nobody did. The 42 points were the most points that Arizona had scored since week 17 of 2016. So it's been a long freaking time since the Cardinals scored anything more than 35 points. And they had lost eight straight games at home coming into last week's game. So it was it was a fluke. It was just one of those things where you couldn't really expect it. Um, so that was an L for me and for anyone else who took that bet. Saturday afternoon was Browns versus Ravens, and that was kind of my safe bet, honestly. I was fairly positive that the Browns were not going to even come close to covering. Uh, the spread was Ravens by six and a half um, the last time that I looked at it, but the Ravens only won by three. It was 23 to 20. So... That was another big shocker of the week um, that the Browns even covered. Kind of raised a few questions about the Ravens. Um, we'll actually talk about them later in one of my picks for the week. And then the Sunday late game was my alternative line. The Broncos were one-point favorites against the Jets. And if you took the Jets by six and a half, which I recommended, good job. Um, because Denver lost by a touchdown, 16-9 to was the final. The Broncos are trash. And now they're playing in London um, this week on Saturday morning. And especially for West Coast people, if you're super motivated to get up at 6.30 in the morning and watch football, when it's the Broncos playing, you are not missing out on anything. So that was a quick Week 7 recap um, lots of upsets in week seven, including, um, the Panthers beating the Bucks. So the Bucks take on the Ravens Thursday night this week. I've seen a few lines. Um, FanDuel had it at Ravens one and a half, and that's been fluctuating, and I, I would not be surprised if it winds up as Ravens six and a half point favorites because, like I just said, the Bucks lost to the Panthers, 
who had just traded away Christian McCaffrey, mind you. So they had no their their star player was gone. And the Bucks were 13 point favorites going in to that game. I personally cannot remember the last time that Tom Brady did not have a touchdown in a game. And honestly, for me, it was pretty fun to see Tom Brady just fall flat on his face. Uh, The Carolina quarterback had two touchdowns versus Tom Brady's zero in that game. Just take a second, rack your brain, see if you can name the Panthers quarterback. Because I could not until I had to look it up. Okay, time's up. It's Philip Walker. Yeah, no freaking clue. Walker had played, he played in 11 games in his entire, well, two-year career prior to Sunday. So before Sunday against the Bucks, in 11 games, he had started in three of them. But in, in those 11 games, he threw two touchdowns. And against the Bucks, he threw two touchdowns. So half of his career touchdowns came against a Tom Brady-led team, supposedly. Now, I have some theories about Brady's downfall. Whether or not people agree with these theories is one thing. But when you think about it, for as big of a superstar athlete that Tom Brady is, his personal life has never really come into the spotlight. Unless it's like him kissing his kids on the lips, but you know, he's just, I don't know what that's all about. But nothing negative about Tom Brady's personal life has been exposed. And for someone with that big of a presence as an athlete across any sport, that's pretty hard to do. Like it's pretty hard to avoid the tea and the drama of your personal life getting out. But ever since the off season, when he kind of cut ties, not, not cut ties, Giselle sort of cut the ties because he unretired. I don't, I mean, I don't blame her for being upset about it. Like, he said he was going to retire to spend more time with his family. And then it's like, oh, ha, never mind. Football is more important than my family. So I'm going back to play football. And now Giselle is like, "Mm, honey, no. Honey, no, you can't do that. Like, I'm going to live my life. And you take care of the kids for a little bit. So now she's coming up and speaking out about all this stuff that happened. Not all this stuff, but saying that she's done her part in the marriage and he's not doing his part. And so I think the spotlight on his personal life is taking a toll on his play. Because we've never seen anything like this before from Tom Brady. Even with the whole deflate gate thing when that happened... He was still Tom Brady. He was still a freak athlete. But that was about football. And he was able to cover it up. I, I fully believe he is responsible for Deflategate. 
but he was able to cover it up. He can't cover up the shit that's going on in his marriage. So, that being said, it's affecting his play because I think now is when people are really starting to look at him a little bit differently because he's not this perfect father who kisses his kids on the lips and who's just a, a wholesome human being. Like, now he's kind of being seen as an abandoner. Like, he's kind of abandoning his family because he prioritizes football over his family. I mean, there was a meme. There was a meme going around that Tom Brady gave up Giselle just to lose to the Steelers. How about Tom Brady giving up Giselle to lose to Philip Walker? Like, <laughs> that's... <laughs> That's a pretty harsh reality if you're Tom Brady to wake up out of that. But anyway, Tom Brady rants over. I don't like him. Never have. So I really... It sounds bad, but I don't mind seeing him struggle. It's entertaining. Anyway, back to the Bucks as a whole. Their injury list is popping. Their injury list is a happening place to be. Mike Evans, questionable. Julio Jones was out for the past three weeks with a knee injury. So that means... Chris Godwin is like the guy. They don't really have anybody else to throw to. He doesn't have anybody else to throw to. It's Chris Godwin. And that being said, um, I would for sure take Godwin over 71 receiving yards um, in Thursday night's game because he is basically the only person that Tom Brady can throw to. And I know what y'all are thinking. Y'all are probably thinking, well, Tom Brady has no one to throw to, so of course he looks bad. Tom Brady has gone through his career with missing pieces, and he's been the fix-it. He's figured it out, even when he doesn't have missing pieces. So don't tell me it's because Mike Evans is out that he's not getting his touchdowns. No, it's because he doesn't care enough to fix the solution and he's not working hard enough to fix the solution because his mind is somewhere else. So the Bucks are not looking too good and they lost to the Steelers two weeks ago. So they're coming off of two pretty embarrassing losses. So for the Ravens to only be favored by one and a half does kind of surprise me. And again, um, this is Wednesday that we're talking about this. So if this, this line will almost positively change the Ravens beat the Browns last week and I mean like I talked about it was only by three points like it was not a pretty win and that's largely in part because Lamar only completed nine passes like he did not look like Lamar Jackson he didn't have a touchdown passing or rushing which is rare for Lamar because he if he doesn't pass he runs it in and we know he's a running quarterback he hasn't had a rushing touchdown since week three. So their rush offense has been a little bit lackluster in the past couple of weeks. They've still gotten wins. They have not strung together back-to-back -to -back wins yet this season, though. So this would be their first back-to-back -back win if they were to beat the Bucks on Thursday. But I do think that right now, the Ravens are a much more well-rounded team. And I don't know what it's going to, to take for Tom Brady to kind of snap out of this 
this state. But if he's going to snap out of this state, it's not going to be against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. I really, I really don't see that happening. So I would definitely take Ravens uh, six and a half point favorites in this one. If the line hasn't shifted to that already, um, I would, I would expect that it would, and it would seem like kind of a no-brainer to me. Moving on to the my Sunday early game. The Cardinals at the Vikings. The Vikings have won their last four straight games. Like, Kirk Cousins is actually not bad. Like, he's kind of good. <laughs> um, and the Vikings are sitting very, very comfortably at the top of the NFC North. They're the only team above 500. So they can afford to lose a game. The thing with the Cardinals is that on paper, their stats are so similar. Like, they're within 15 points of each other in most major comparisons, like rushing yards per game, passing yards given up per game. They're on both sides of the ball. They're a pretty similar team. So that being said, I feel like it might be difficult for Kirk Cousins to face a similar team. Kyler Murray has been disappointing. Uh, he has not put on the performances that I think people really expected of him. Of course, what he has over Kirk Cousins is that he is mobile. He can move in the pocket. He can scramble a lot more than Cousins can. And he can run for a first down, even a touchdown, if he has to. Kirk Cousins doesn't really have that ability. So this game is one that I actually think will be better than expected. Um, I think that, you know, I mean, the Vikings are 5-1, and one, and they're undefeated at home. So they're at home this week. It would be their first home loss if they were to lose to the Cardinals. But I do have a feeling that given how similar the teams are, it's going to be a much closer game or a much more, um, a much more competitive game, I should say than we might expect. The Vikings are favored by three and a half over under is 48 and a half points, which I could see that going over. I really could, given the nature of the two quarterbacks. I mean, Cousins has nine touchdown passes this season, and he's also got five interceptions because he throws a lot. He's not like, you know, someone who can run the ball very well. So he is going to be reliant on that throwing game. So he does have quite a few, like, what the hell were you thinking throws that come up or seem to come up in almost every game. 
I would take Vikings money line. Um, they're at minus 200 for the money line. And just because I do think that this game is going to be a lot more of a battle than it, it might seem, that's what I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with Vikings money line in that one. My Sunday late game, the game that I am most looking forward to this week, the Niners and the Rams, because there is always, 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 always bad blood between Northern and Southern California teams. And that type of bad blood is the best rivalry there is in sports. It's no Giants-Dodgers rivalry, but honestly, it's getting there. And it's getting there because of the history that these two teams have. And since the Rams moved to LA, that history has been forged since then. So, back in 2021, the Rams and the Niners were in a bidding war for Stafford, for Matthew Stafford, which, you know, seems like why would you be in a bidding war for him? But they were. And of course, as we know, the Rams won out in that bidding war. Flash forward to 2022, in October, the Rams and the Niners were in a bidding war for Christian McCaffrey. But this time, the Niners won out on that one. So the McCaffrey pickup was kind of inspired by the Rams and wanting to be competitive against their rivals. And they faced each other back in week four. And San Francisco dominated. It was 24 to nine. LA had two turnovers. And that was without Christian McCaffrey. So that was without a new weapon that they have. The Rams offense, mostly through the air. They're a they don't have a lot of weapons on the running back uh, chart. They have Cam Akers, and that's about it. And then through the air, it's Cooper Cup, and he's the targeted guy. And they don't look like the defending Super Bowl champions. Like, they, they really don't. The defense is not the same. Von Miller had a huge impact on that defense, and he's with the Bills now. So they really, they don't look the same. The Niners were able to win without Christian McCaffrey, and they, they were like the Rams in the sense where they do not have a superior run game. They have Debo Samuel, so that's a key part of their offense. But they didn't have a superior run game before that McCaffrey pickup. And yes, they did lose to the Chiefs last weekend in epic fashion. Um, it was, for a second, it looked like they were going to pull it out. Um, K 
Kittle had that touchdown that brought them within one score, and then the Chiefs just blew it out of the water. But that's the Chiefs that we're talking about. Like, that's that's an elite team. And there is something about this northern-southern California rivalry that really, I think, amps these players up. San Francisco is actually favored by one and a half. And I honestly would agree with that. I can I can very much see this being a three-point game in the Niners' favor. Because it is such a competitive game. I mean, I guess I could say the same thing like I should have saw it coming with the Ravens and the Browns because that's a big in-division rivalry. Um, And that's what ended up happening. But I can for sure see this game as San Francisco by three, by five maybe. Over-under is 43 points. And I would take, see, this is tough because the Niners had a a good offensive game against the Chiefs. They really did. It was the defense that struggled. And so because of that, I'm going to go over in this game because they do have, the Niners do have a prolific offense. They can score. They have Kittle, Samuel, they have now McCaffrey. They have those weapons now. Um, and the Rams, the Rams have weapons too. I mean, Cam Akers and especially Cooper Cup. So I think that the two defenses are relatively mediocre. They're not, they're not the best defenses in the league. So I think it's going to be more of an offensive battle than it will be a defensive battle. So I would for sure say to look for that and to take the over in this one, over 43 points. So that is my Sunday late game. And now we move on to the Sunday night game. This one's going to be fun as well. Week 8. Week 8, we've got some we've got some bad matchups, but we've got a lot of good matchups in Week 8. Sunday night, the Bills and the Packers. So the Bills are 10.5 point favorites, which does not surprise me at all. I mean, people have been saying it since the offseason that the Bills are Super Bowl contenders, and they look like Super Bowl contenders. They're firing on all cylinders. They're coming off of a bye week, and prior to the bye week, they beat the Chiefs. So... They're in a position where they're just on a they're just on a high. And the Packers, on the other hand, are on the lowest of lows. They like they lost to the commanders. I'm pretty sure that says all you need to know about the state of the Packers right now that they lost to the Washington Commanders. 
Aaron Rodgers is not Aaron Rodgers. He's just not kind of like Tom Brady, except he's in a little bit of a different situation, but he's not playing like the Aaron Rodgers that we all expect him to play like. And Buffalo is just on fire. And they are such a fun, fun, fun team to watch. And I do think it's going to be a Josh Allen stomping over Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Also because the Bills' defense is far superior to the Packers. I mean, the Bills, right now, they are they are the team that has it all. Like, they have the offense, they have the defense, they have the special teams, they have the coach, they have they have all the right tools in place and they are proving week in and week out that they are the team to be and if there is a team that is going to come in and beat the bills it's the chiefs but the bills proved themselves I was doubtful. I was very doubtful before that game. But the Bills proved themselves against the Chiefs. And honestly, if they can beat the Chiefs, I don't think they'll have a hard time against hardly anybody in this league. I know they've had their ups and downs. But I find it, especially with the state that the Packers are in right now, they they couldn't buy a win if they wanted to. Like they, Like, they just look... Maybe against the Bucks, that might be about it. Um, but it's it's when you lose to the Commanders, like, and then they they lost in overtime to the Patriots a couple weeks ago, and then the Jets swamped them. Like they they have just taken. loss after loss after loss and they have not been pretty losses for the Packers so um I think 10 and a half is kind of safe if you're willing to do a riskier bet um I would take I would take the bills by 13 and a half um I think this is very easily a two touchdown game so take that as you will. Um, it it seems like a no-brainer to me because the Bills are just in a position where it looks like nobody can can beat them right now, and that's a uh, that's fun to watch if you're if you're even if you're not a Bills fan, a Bills fan or not a Bills fan. They're a really they're a really fun team. Over under is 47 and a half. Um see I am gonna go under. I would take the under in this because I can see this game. I can see this being like 
a 35-10, 32-10. I think it's going to be right around that that 45 total mark. I, I don't think it's going to get over 45 because I don't see the Packers offense bringing a lot of contribution to the table in terms of scoring. So the current 47 and a half, I would go under that. Um, And that is our week eight in the NFL. And now, of course, it is time for Miss Kyla's pick. She's been chilling on the couch next to me this entire time. I think she's tired. (laughs) Um, But now it is time for Kyla's pick. Kyla. Okay, I've got a bone in my hand. I know you can't see it, but I've got a bone. And we're shuffling, we're shuffling, we're shuffling. So this is for the Thursday night game. Thursday night game, again, is Ravens and Bucks. Um, I have the Ravens by an easy touchdown. Ravens are one and a half point favorites as of today, which is Wednesday. So let's see what Kyle says. All right, all right. Um, we're gonna say left is Ravens and right is Bucks. What do you think, Miss Kyla? What do you think? And okay, she's sniffing. Oh. Oh, she's frozen. Oh, there's the shake. She can't decide. Oh, now she's sitting. Now she's sitting. I need you to pick a hand. That's how this works. Oh, she's going right. She's going right, folks. She's taking the bucks. Okay, so no surefire bet this week. Kyla has chosen the bucks to upset the Ravens. I'm kind of disappointed in her, to be completely honest. But that's okay. That's okay. I, I, I still would take the Ravens, but, you know, Kyla's pretty smart. So, you never know. But that is it for episode two, NFL week eight of Parlay Paw. Let me know how your bets play out this week. If you have any no-doubters or any teams that you would like me to talk about for next week, again, the Steelers are and forever will be off the table. Have a great week, y'all. I'll talk to you next week.